Do you want bonus audio? I think what we've done all day, by the way, guys, is yes and, yes and, yes and, and now we're just, why? <laughs> a cow's life begins, like many of us, as an egg. <clears throat> Squeezed out seemingly at random by the gentle grazer, the cow seems unbothered by its brown offspring. I, I had the murder wall, I was trying to figure it out, on my kitchen wall, with names, post-its, string, and the log. Is that brother prick? I don't know how to do things with my mind. You've got to find a way to do this. I know it's inside you. You're a silver bow. Come give it to me, buddy boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay. And as he approaches um, me, I'd like to twist his nipples. I can tell you for definite exactly where the inspiration for Nancy's came from. Go on. Careful, just swallow it all. <laughs> like a good and, boy. And if, <laughs> yeah. if he does get so sliced by the glass, he'll just try and start it start out. It out like. yeah. Well, join the Royal Britannia Patreon. Available now. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Have you ever wanted to try a TTRPG, but haven't been able to make it happen? Are you looking for a top-tier D&D and D&D-adjacent experience with a game runner that knows what they're doing? Would you like to try a new system outside of D&D, but don't know how to get started? Then come by the Orsac Narrative Universe Discord and try D&D 5e or 3.5, Pathfinder, Monster of the Week, Percent Chance of Failure or their own ONU system. Just tell them Roll Britannia sent you to get two weeks absolutely free. So head over to their website at www.orsacnarrativeuniverse.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Roll Britannia Parlay Episode 2. And uh, I'm Tom and I play a character called Keth Frosteye in Roll Britannia. So in this series... I'm going to be talking to other podcasters, celebrities, and members of the TTRPG community with help along the way from my crewmates from Royal Britannia. Each episode, I'll have a special guest who plays the game, talks about the game, or even sometimes makes Hollywood blockbusters about Dungeons and Dragons. So last time, we were very lucky, and we managed to talk to Jeremy Latcham, the producer of the upcoming Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves film or movie, depending on where you're from. 
And this time, James, the Dungeon Master from Robertania, and myself, we sat down with the two directors, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. Now, don't worry, if you haven't seen the film yet, there aren't going to be any spoilers on at all. And of course, if you haven't seen the film, here's the trailer. On your knees. Okay, chop it off. Chop it off, let's do it. We're thieves, but we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing and unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. The Red Wizards created an army of the undead. Sounds lovely. Quite the opposite. I know, I was being ironic. I find irony is a blade that cuts he who wields it most especially. You're not a lot of fun, are you? How are we going to pull this off? We're going to need a team. You need cool Follow me to the orifice. Back to school the orifice? I'll go last. Let's go! Don't mind that. He missed. No, that's not good. Aren't you sick of failing? We can die. There's worse things than dying. I lost everything that ever mattered to me. And if we quit now, that's for nothing. I don't want to see you die, which is why I'm going to leave the room. This ends now. The bridge is protected by an ancient trap. We must not trigger the mechanism. I may have triggered the mechanism. So... Sorry. So, joining me now from Roll Britannia is James, Alex, Paul, and Chip. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the second episode. Second episode. I know. Doing very well. Hello. Hey. The sequel. Right. Ah, well, yeah. Two. Episode two. Aren't yeah. you lucky? How did you find the the content for this? <laughs> How did you get? You got a celebrity interview last time, and you got another celebrity Actual interview. Celebrity. <laughs> Well, I'm very well connected, as we know. I'm not at all. I'm not at all. Um, <laughs> it's not even a random celebrity, celebrity shout out. This is like a proper celebrity, like. And the celebrities, as I've already mentioned, that we've spoken, that uh, they were. And the celebrities that we managed to speak to this time were Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, the directors of the upcoming movie. Uh, what did you think? I, the I thought they chaps. were lovely to talk to. I did. I had. I had to resist the urge quite heavily to to ask John Francis Daly about uh, his time on Bones because the, the producers of the event were very clear yes. about us only talking about the movie. Oh, yeah. They gave us a lot of reminders. They gave us a lot of reminders. <laughs> yeah. You have to ask stuff about the movie only. I wanted to talk to him so about what we did yeah. is we asked him stuff that was loosely related to the movie instead of about the movie. 
Yeah. Mm, very gutted. When you were making the movie about D&D. Very gutted I didn't get What was your favourite sandwich? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What time did you have to wake up? <laughs> In the downtime, what was your favourite TV show that you watched you whilst you weren't phones. doing Speaking the, the Dragons phones. movie? Yeah. If you were, if you were uh, well, you, you know, while you were filming, uh, you wanted to put some music on and uh, you wanted to listen to, let's say, a Beatles album. What would you say is the best Beatles album? Best of the Beatles, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like turning off Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but yeah, they were really lovely chaps. Like you so, said, we managed to sneak in some D&D chatter. Yeah. It was really nice. Well, surely you must have something yeah. for us to... For, the, for those of us that didn't well, let's see what they have to say. Yeah. Audio. Come on, what do you got? Cue audio. Yeah, what was the experience like? What was your favourite part about actually being involved in this project? Um... For me, it was finding the chemistry between these very different actors. They're all so disparate in their own personalities that you wouldn't normally think of them as being friends, hanging out with each other willingly. But I think the circumstances of the film and the fact that they all have this common interest and the fact that they're all so dedicated to the work, that's kind of what brought them together in a way that felt kind of magical by the end of the film shoot. Um, I would say one of my favorite times was the first day we started with Hugh Grant um, because he had always been who we had in mind when we were writing that role. Um, The fact that he said yes was both a surprise and a delight (laughs) to us. Um, And so, and then when he came on set, we were fully, um, because we didn't have a lot of time to rehearse, it was really the first time we saw the character come to life and it was better than we had imagined. You know, he just brought all of that Hugh Grant-ism to it. (laughs) Yeah, the phrase dream come true is often overused, but it was literally something that we dreamt up and then it came true. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that you did to, I mean, did everybody manage to get a D&D game in? Did you all play? Mm -hmm. We played, yeah. When they arrived in Belfast, we took about four hours of our precious rehearsal time. Oh, and we did a game with a, a, a DM from Seattle via Zoom. And um, they played as their characters. And it wasn't just sort of a lark. It actually gave us a lot of information because um, we got to see how they how they played, how they thought, and how they interacted. It also gave them a sense of the very unique tone that comes with playing Dungeons & Dragons, which really does set itself apart from most fantasy lore that you're familiar with. So you, you're obviously quite big fans of uh, Dungeons & Dragons from everything I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to play. Yeah. So, you know, how long have you been playing and what, what are your characters when you play? Um, well, I played as a kid and then uh, as an adult two years before we even started the movie, played as a half-elf paladin called Ven Salafin, who has a name check in the movie. Um, and look, I think what we the appeal that we saw with it was the fact that um, you can really do anything. And it's unlike any other game in that sense. And while that's hard to adapt, you know, word for word, because what story are you really adapting? What we're really adapting is the spirit of gameplay. And I was uh, about 11 when I played. And I I think I was a fighter because I was an 11-year-old boy and I thought fighters were cool. Um, (laughs) But my brother, my older brother, was the DM and he would kill me off pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) If you could play one of the characters in the film, which character would you play and why? Um, you mean to take that actor's place in the actual movie? Yeah, or, or if play in, in the, the context of an actual game. In the context of an actual game. Mm. Um, I think it would be fun to uh, 
to be a druid and be able to shapeshift into other animals like yeah. that. There's a lot of freedom to that. I'd like to play a Zank because he is clearly the most overqualified player in the entire story. <laughs> Never seen an NPC last year. <laughs> what part are you most proud of, of this film that you've made? The cemetery scene is one of our favorites. It, you know, we both grew up on Monty Python and to oh, us yeah. that feels like the most Python-esque scene. We even talked about trying to get the surviving members of the cast of Python to come on, but <laughs> it was too expensive. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it, it really does capture the perfect meeting of D&D lore and, the, you know, raising the dead with the absurdity of what happens. And for me, I think it was a moment, and I won't give anything away, at the end that is pretty emotional and being able to go to these screenings and see people actually touched by it and crying that to us was a kind of a gratifying feat to be able to pull off because you wouldn't normally come into a Dungeons and Dragons movie thinking that it's going to hit you where it hurts. Mm. I mean, obviously the answer is going to be because you love D&D, but are there any sort of real um, things that drew you to being involved in this project? Beyond our love of the game, I think it was the opportunity to do a fantasy movie that we haven't seen, honestly. Um you know, Princess Bride maybe is the closest, and that was quite a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there is a, a fun side to D&D for most players, and we wanted to get that on screen, you know, without it necessarily being, it's not a spoof, and we're not making fun of the world of, of the medieval fantasy. But, um, you know, I think it's a whole, it's a different take, and that was really appealing. Yeah. Um that was really cool to hear that that they both started from a very young age playing D and D, and obviously um, Jonathan Goldstein mentioned there about his brother being the DM and killing him off. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yes, funny. I like I that. Mean, I, I can I understand actually... how that would happen. Yeah, say. So I actually, um, I actually got into D and D through my brother, um, but obviously much, yeah. much later, and then doing it at uni, uh, and I'm sure there was a lot more alcohol involved in our D and D sessions than well, he didn't he did say there wasn't it's true so it's to true. be fair <laughs> it's true i love how uh john's character that he used to play got a name drop no. in the film i know in the film. you would wouldn't you you would if you're suddenly it's... making a blockbuster film and yeah. um well that that led us on quite nicely to the question about all the other easter eggs that they might have squeezed in there um because quite a few i think them. we all as a group have our suspicions that as D&D fans, if we'd been left in charge of a D&D movie, we would have squeezed in as many Easter eggs and little like self-referential mm -hmm. nods as we possibly could. Um, so we asked uh, John and Jonathan if they had done that. And uh, this is what they said. Well, there's um, there's a language called Thoras. There's no written English in D&D and we didn't want to put it on screen that way. So in the Thoras is translatable. So it's if you technically if, accurate yeah. in the lore, you can find what those letters represent, and um, then you can it, it all means something that you see on screen. Also, I would say that this is has a lot of rewatchability potential because we made sure that there were a lot of kind of mini stories playing out in the background of any big scene where you see a lot of extras. Um, it wasn't just people walking from the left side of screen to the right. <laughs> they they all had their own intentions, which I think added to the authenticity of the world that these characters are inhabiting. Oh, I'm going to have to watch it again to, to check all that. Well, I'm going to have to wait until it comes out so in a form I can pause so yeah. I can like actually read that 
Mm. Um, and they have they had a very wry smile on their face really when they were telling us that, tidbit. which yeah. says to me it doesn't say anything relevant to what it's supposed to say. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some in there. There's definitely something they've put in there. Whoa. I this is this is why this film is not just a, a one watch and done. This is why you've got mm. you want to watch it over and over and over and over again, just because every time you're going to gleam some new tidbit. Mm. Of, Oh my god, that that could be a thing. That is that that's that thing. Oh, that's that thing. <laughs> I'm trying to do this with no spoilers. Yeah. Um, but because that thing was really cool. But that other thing, that that yeah. equally was very D and D. But it was just so many good things. Yeah, I liked those and things. moments. I I also think that really said Don't a lot spoil about it for the mindset me. of them as creators and storytellers, and also about their love for the game that they've put in across. There's definitely some fun of just been dropped into there, isn't it? Thing. They've put in the time and they've put in the effort to create kind of that richness and also stay true to the law. Um, exactly. The very fact that, um, you know, they knew what that language was called and they made the effort to put it in um, really says a lot about their love for the game. So, uh, yeah, it mm. comes from a really nice place, which I really like. And it just, like you say, adds richness, you know? Now, one thing that I've always found that when, we, when we're when we playing Royal Britannia is we can make an expansive, elaborate, foolproof plan and in a heartbeat, it all falls down like a like a house of cards. And that I really want to find out if they have put that into the film as well. We as D D players, um, you know, we we saw quite a lot of influences from Dungeons and Dragons itself. And, you know, even things like um the the, the actions that take place, sometimes a best laid plan goes completely wrong in, yeah. in almost on the roll of a dice and even you know things like the combat which feels almost sort of turn based mm-hmm. when, when it's going on was that intentional was yes. that some it was mm-hmm. it was entirely intentional um and if you kind of look at it uh through uh, a magnifying glass you can really see that we paid attention to the details of the gameplay mechanics without ever compromising the cinematic storytelling because obviously that comes first it's in the trailer so it's not a spoiler the bit where chris pines try to scratch his um his cufflinks or his chains or the, the rope that's wrapped around his uh. wrists off and he says there might be sharper stairs somewhere else or something like that in the trailer that to me felt like he'd said i would like to release myself from this grapple and then rolled yep. badly and they got yeah the, you, you, the stairs just aren't sharp enough you might need to find sharper <laughs> yeah. stairs somewhere yeah. else and that, it felt that like, is deliberate yeah, like they they, they they you know, it was filmed and scripted that way, so that it feels like on the roll of a dice, it went badly wrong. Yeah, or, which is in a very, uh, in a very sort of, in a very sort of Jeff Silverbow way, you come up with a very complicated plan with lots of moving parts, and all of it goes really well, apart from the first really crucial part of it. Yeah, yeah. You just need this one thing to work, and then the rest will pretty much will fall, fall into, into place. place. Yeah, yeah. No. Which is really difficult to capture in a film where you need like that those kind of story beats and kind of cohesive storytelling. I think they did a really, really good job. It's um, it's a really difficult kind of two different mediums to converge, right? Where you've got such randomness in D and D, and and for films and and stories that are pre-written, you have like kind of uh, patterns structure. and and structure. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think they, yeah, they really did a good job and it must have been a difficult kind of process. Um, definitely the, um, as we covered in the last interview, but they also mentioned here, the um, the session that they did with all of the, the cast and, and stuff like that, I think definitely really helped um, them immerse themselves into that kind of style of storytelling. It's the only way to get organized chaos correctly. Really. Yeah. Now we have all sorts of varying experiences amongst ourselves. Alex, <laughs> you've been playing 
for years. And the rest of us, we have only been but playing since been we started. For years now. Um, so we've got... Yeah, that is true. Yeah, we've also been playing for years. <laughs> but all of it's recorded. <laughs> this is true. We've been, but we've been playing badly for years. <laughs> so have I. Really. And I was really keen to know, like, who, who out of the cast really got into their role? Who was always, who had the elaborate backstory or who just wanted to go and kill stuff. And I was really, really keen to hear who really dug in and here's what they had to say. I think Justice Smith, mm-hmm. he um, he would call us on the weekend and <laughs> say like, I've come up with a backstory. My father was this and I'm a half this and da 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 da. He really immersed himself in the lore. I have a feeling he does that for all the roles he plays. But yeah, he was really uh, deep. And he... I think nails the accent too, which, you know, was tricky when we first approached him because we always saw that character for whatever reason having a British accent. Um, and we were all pleasantly surprised. In fact, Hugh thought he was British when he first saw him. That's coming from a Brit. So. His accent was really <laughs> wow. good. Yeah. His accent was really good. Yeah. I mean, to get Hugh Grant to think you're British, that's like, he's like the icon of Britishness, yeah. isn't exactly. he? Exactly. You pass the test. Mm. They were so pleased to get Hugh Grant in as well. They were uh, they were delighted. But Robert, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that he. Yeah. I heard that Hugh Grant absolutely like was really really annoyed at the CGI monsters because they upstaged him all the time. He's in the middle of this massive beautiful <laughs> monologue and he's like, "I've really given it my all," and then in the background there's some weird chicken thing wandering around, <laughs> and he got really annoyed <laughs> at being upstaged by the CGI monsters apparently. <laughs> Aww, only Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Now, from playing the game for so long, and for someone who has never played it before, what advice would you give to a, a new Dungeons & Dragons player for the first time? Well, I think first, you gotta got to want to play. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would say let your imagination run wild. Um, it is that, that freedom that you have with the gameplay that you may sort of lean toward the more conventional decisions, but the most fun I think you can have out of the game is really kind of bending the rules and seeing how far you can frustrate your DM <laughs> because that, to <laughs> me, calls for the best kind of uh, campaign. <laughs> so have you ever DM'd yourself or is it, uh, have you only ever played? That's too much work. <laughs> I can't do it. It's just too much. I mean, we're, we're DMing every time we write a script, uh, but uh, maybe if I had a lot of free time, I would want to tackle it but it's pretty daunting well i guess um one of the questions we really wanted to know is is there likely to be a sequel and can we have parts in it <laughs> is this an audition yeah no, we're in oh, fantastic <laughs> just walking from I've right to a, left <laughs> got 160 episodes of podcasts you can listen to if you, like. <laughs> Good. you know our our producer i don't know if you're talking to our producer jeremy latcham but he has a mantra that we followed which it comes from the early marvel days um which is just make one good movie and if it's successful, worry about a sequel. But we put everything into this. We did not really plant seeds to lead to a later story. Um, there is a ton we can do because the world's so big. And in success, we'd be psyched to jump back in. But we honestly haven't spent much time thinking about a sequel. That said, if you guys want to be in the movie, you have to be fluent in common. Uh. <laughs> and you're going to want to put on about 30 pounds of muscle. <laughs> Mm. Uh, yeah okay <laughs> i can make that happen <laughs> guys that's been absolutely fantastic to speak to you today um, thank you it's it's just that we love the movie so much and we were delighted to actually have been able to to see it really such a such a you know a sneak preview that we got um and we can't wait to share it with everyone and uh 
thank you so much for actually taking time to make it. Oh, well, <laughs> yes, thank you. Appreciate it. Can't wait to see it again. Honestly. Thanks for having us. <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate now, it. if you listen very carefully, they didn't say no to us being in the sequel either. They did. You guys catch some, that? Just have to put on some muscle. Thirty you know, pounds of muscle. Yes, I could do that. So, I'd do that for a, a role in a Hollywood movie. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty pounds of mussels, isn't that just like a normal order in a restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> oh right, sorry, I'm with the program. Yeah, we've got to we've got to we've got so to start it now. time. We'll call them back and go, Well, we're ready. Yeah. You know, we'll both look like kick, a sock full of conkers and uh <laughs> kick down their door. <laughs> a, I'm ready abs for like a cobbled street <laughs> and back yeah. like a sack of pythons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. Us sorcerers don't have to uh, don't have to worry about being hench. Kath might. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my 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 only solace from that was that they didn't say you got to lose some weight. They got to say you got to put some on. That was what? that was the that Kath was my takeaway from that. Yeah, we've established Speaking the baseline. Speaking of takeaways, that's probably a good a good was, way of. I was quite happy with that. Put it on that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. You so can't be in the movie. You're too fat. It's, you can't you, be in the movie. Then. You're not muscly enough. Yeah. That you can but if you quite, were, what I mean, it wasn't a hard no. That's a it's that quite, to me is a maybe. Yeah, that sounded like a maybe. So what's the plan then? Are we are we putting muscle on and then we yeah we're all to gonna get we're all gonna get jacked when we know that they're doing we'll the next show one. them our progress videos and yeah. steps and stuff like that. And then we'll we're gonna like, we're gonna take before yeah. and after photos and then we're gonna make a sideline uh, selling diet pills that make you ripped. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> okay. All of the weights Wait, that we'll be using will be D twenty shaped. They'll just be getting he- oh, just, just heavier and heavier dice. Yeah. Just rolling medicine ball sized D twenties <laughs> around. That's what we'll have to do. So literally, you're going to look hench from your forearm downwards. <laughs> there are other activities you could do with that, but we're not allowed to say those. <laughs> so I guess you need to keep an eye out for Dungeons and Dragons two, starring some very ripped Royal Britannia boys. Yeah, yeah, hugely hench. We're going to take up the whole screen. That's how big we're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be swole. <laughs> yeah. going to be triangles. There won't be so, any room for any other people on the poster. It's just all of our like rippling masses. So in the meantime, if you want to hear more from us at Royal Britannia when we're not at the gym or playing Dungeons and Dragons, then make sure that you listen to all our episodes of Royal Britannia, which are wherever you can get your podcasts from. Anywhere you can ensnare a good podcast, We'll be there. So we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Do you want bonus audio? I think what we've done all day, by the way, guys, is yes and, yes and, yes and, and now we're just, why? (laughs) A cow's life begins, like many of us, as an egg. 
Squeezed out seemingly at random by the gentle grazer, the cow seems unbothered by its brown offspring. I, I had the murder wall, I was trying to figure it out on my kitchen wall with names, post-its, string and the lot. Is that brother prick? I don't know how to do things with my mind. You've got to find a way to do this. I know it's inside you. You're a silver bow. Come give it to me, buddy boy. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. And as he approaches um, me, I'd like to twist his nipples. I can tell you for definite exactly where the inspiration for Nancy's came from. Go on. Keth will just swallow it all. <laughs> like a good and, boy. And if, he, if he does get so sliced by the glass, he'll just try and start it, start out. it out. Like, yeah. Well, join the Royal Britannia Patreon. Available now.